Welcome back to Small State, a big takes special episode number 201 here, trade deadline recap. We also are honored to have a special guest here, Peter Apple of Not Gambling Advice slash Just Baseball, owner of Just Baseball. Peter, welcome. What's going on, guys? Good to be here. Excited. Yeah, a long time coming here. So if you um, are around on Twitter during the day or night or basically any time you've or TikTok, you've probably seen Peter's Just Baseball content out there. Great baseball stuff. Unfortunately, he's a Yankee fan, but we'll have to let it slide this time. It's not the first time we've had a Yankee fan on here. But we wanted to talk about the trade deadline this week because the trade deadline just passed. Craziest trade deadline probably in major sports history, honestly. I don't know if that's a big take, but I, I stand by it. I, you know, I think it would have been the craziest of all time if maybe like a Carlos Rodon got traded, if a Pablo Lopez got traded, but it definitely included the biggest trade in MLB history. I've heard it being floated that, you know, it's possibly the biggest. It was the biggest, especially if you throw Josh Bell in that trade with Juan Soto. It was the biggest trade in MLB history. So I don't think it's a bad argument to call it one of the biggest trade deadlines, at least in the 21st century. Love that take. But now I wonder, so maybe number two all-time is the Miggy one. What else do we have in our top five of all-time trades? And maybe that one isn't number two, but whatever you guys think. I just want to know what else is in competition for the most, the biggest all-time. Well, the whole yeah. A-Rod saga as a whole yeah. has to be up there, right? Because yeah. that's true. trade agreed to the Red Sox, boom, Ixnay on that. Okay, Yankees come in and swoop them. Um, yes. yeah. I also that- think – go ahead, Josh – I was going to say that included Manny, that included and Alfonso Mag- Soriano, Maglio, oh, yeah. like, too, right? You know, like oh. that was that was definitely a big one. That I was going to say that huge. one myself. That would have been huge. Um, oh yeah, and then just the actual trade itself was huge, not just the, <laughs> not just the rejection. Um, I think that the Stanton trade is, is up there for biggest trades, at least in this century, because that was huge. He what. He was coming off 60 home runs, nearly a 60 home run season, three, you know, all this money. And the Yankees went in and got him. Now, that wasn't trade yeah. deadline, right? That was offseason. But that's one of the bigger names moved this century. I would say the Mookie trade's bigger than that, to be honest with you. Ooh, yeah, you said, obviously. You said, and again, with uh, David Price being involved, too. Obviously, he's not what he was, but just a, a Cy Young winner being included, even if he is a, was a little over the hill at that point. But um, I've kind of blocked that out. Another yeah. another good yeah, Adrian Gonzalez trade. Remember that that one was a huge one. I don't know if that was in the offseason though or that the trade deadline that just came to my head when I'm thinking biggest trades. I think that was a deadline deal, right? Yeah, because that was a waiver trade. Well, the I'm one to sure. the one to the Dodgers or the original yeah. one to get him. Oh, the one to the Dodgers that was huge because Manny was in that too. Yeah, that was like a no no. Th- I'm sorry. Manny was not in that. What am I thinking? But the Manny trade to the Dodgers was big too, because he went over to LA and just absolutely raked. That was big, but how long was he in LA? What two years, maybe? Longer than you remember, or really? And he was damn good. And you know who else was damn good in LA? Even though he didn't play that much, but when he did play, he was good. Was Nomar had a good tenure in LA? He really did. Adrian Beltre did too. Shout out to Nomar. Yeah, Manny played two thousand second half of two thousand eight. He hit three ninety six for the Dodgers with a twelve thirty two OPS. That's ridiculous. Oh my god. But yo, back to oh, and CC. I was just, I was literally just gonna say that that was Michael Brantley, too, right? That was big. I think he was in that deal. 
that was big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, a lot of these deals, though, are a little bit like over the hill kind of guys, right? When that's the difference. Where this is, and again, I guess CC's, he was kind of, he was right in his prime, but this is like pre prime Juan Soto, 23 yeah. freaking years old. He's going to be good for the next 10 to 15 years. Like it's a lock, health yeah. permitting, knock on wood. So I think that's the difference, right? Because even you can talk Babe Ruth and all that shit, but like this is, you just don't see this in terms of uh, a guy entering his prime and already like a perennial MVP candidate, best hitter in baseball, maybe in baseball history. Hot take. Um, but yeah. Forget about Josh Bell being included in that deal. I mean, he's one of the best switch hitters in the entire sport. He's hitting over 300 this year. He's been, I mean, on the Nationals don't have many bright spots, but he's certainly been one of them. And if you're ranking switch hitters in baseball, Jose Ramirez is number one, and then you have an argument between Cattell Marte and Josh Bell. And you could make the argument that Josh Bell's a better overall hitter than Cattell Marte. Um, so we can't forget that Josh Bell was put in that trade too. That's that's why, to me, it's it's definitely the biggest trade in Olympic history. And he was also looked at for many different teams. Like, yep. even the Red Sox were in on Josh Bell. Like, or at least we all wanted them to be. Um, but, you know, I think they definitely uh, asked about him. Uh, a lot of teams did. So the fact that he was a piece standalone in itself says a lot. It's insane that they were both in the same package. It's fucking unreal. It's The best part is, too, the Padres didn't even need Josh Bell. I feel like A.J. Preller just was like, you know what, fuck it. Throw him in there, too. No one else is getting him. And that threw that whole Hosmer Luke Voigt situation into a fucking complete, you know, tizzy there. What the hell? By the way, love Hosmer on the Sox. Yeah, let's get into our team's moves now. So uh, Juan Soto, all that. And then a ripple effect of Juan Soto was Eric Hosmer being shipped out to the Red Sox. Wasn't on his no trade clause or no trade list. So I feel like Eric Hosmer to the Red Sox has been inevitable for a decade now, and it finally happened. Whether we like it or not, um, Eric Hosmer is a Boston Red Sox player. He will be presumably finally starting tomorrow. Um, initially, when I heard it, I'm like, well, there goes Xander money. There goes Devers money. And then all the details come out. Turns out you're paying Eric Hosmer the next three years a combined $2.5 million. It's hard not to pass that up. Confusing, though. A little confusing. Uh, uh, not that Eric Hosmer is confusing, but I mean, he kind of is. But the confusing aspect of it is where are you going to put Hosmer when Tristan Costas comes up, the Red Sox best hitting prospect? Um, that's why when I was doing mock trades, I thought if the Red Sox, you know, this is like a month and a half ago before the Red Sox, you know, took a little bit of a dive. But it's, it's funny, they were kind of soft buyers at the end of the day. Um <laughs> But the Red Sox have this great hitting prospect in Tristan Costas, who has been described to me as just a mammoth of a man who can hit anyone, anywhere, at any time. And he projects to be a really, really good hitter, and he's going to be up soon. And that's the reason I mocked Josh Bell to the Red Sox initially, because that made sense as that rental piece. But now Eric Hosmer isn't really a rental piece for them. I mean, they could do whatever they want with Hosmer. They could trade him now, considering that the Padres are still paying most of his contract. And maybe that's why he was kind of an untradable asset. But at least right now, when we don't know what they're going to do with Hosmer, it's a bit confusing. Uh, I personally think if we keep Hosmer around, which I don't, again, I don't think we will. I think we will flip him to some capacity 
even if it's for a uh, you know middle of the road prospect on a not so hot farm system uh, bearing team. But I, honestly, Cassis could play third and Devers could go to DH. And honestly, that looks like a pretty awesome world. I'm not going to lie because JD's not going to be here forever. So if we could somehow figure out the money to sign Devers and, you know, even if he's a day-to-day guy and after Hosmer's gone, then you work Cassis into to first and maybe Devers mixes in at third base again. I mean, that's not a bad world to live in. And Hosmer is also a hell of a backup first base option. Again, I was right. kind of hesitant on the trade initially, like Ali kind of mentioned of like, holy shit, three years, 39 million. What the fuck are we doing here? Um, but then once we found out we're paying him literally pretty much MLB minimum, then all of a sudden it's like, all right, it's kind of gravy. Whatever he gives you, that's fine until Casas is up. Um, but I, I mean, that's got to be a super easily movable contract, though, assuming that the Padres are locked in and paying all of that, despite where Hosmer plays. The only thing I don't know if that changes is his no trade clause where he's got the 10 teams that he can say he doesn't want to go to. That might be the only monkey wrench in us trading him, I don't know, mid-season next year when Casas is looking good, playing a good first base and kind of acclimated to the major league level. That's that I don't know. I don't know if that changes things in terms of the the no trade clause aspect. If you enact it once, I don't know if it goes away. I think that used to be a thing in the NBA. Um but um but no. I I, I like it though. I like that move. I I'm fine with it now. He's a handsome guy also. That helps. <laughs> good looking team, easy to Casey McDonald's back in town. True. Exactly. RIP to, to my heart, Casey McDonald, and RIP to Josh's heart, Jay Groom, on the move to the Padres. Oh, buddy. Don't get me started. You know, I'm okay with it. When Eric Cross came out and said uh didn't look good in person, <laughs> I had never seen Jay Groom in person, and I sure as hell wasn't going to Worcester to see him. So um He gained a lot of know. weight. I didn't know that. I read that online. Yeah, he it, he did look a little different when I was watching some of the uh the AAA or double a starts i don't know which one i watched but yeah no i was super hyped when we got when we drafted jay groom i was a big jay groom groom guy like right off the rip but it was also really weird when his dad got arrested for like multiple (laughs) drug (laughs) (laughs) charges yeah so um (laughs) that was a little turn off but yeah i mean i am kind of upset i didn't get to see one start like i was kind of like yeah let's let's see it but like at least we'll when Jalen Beeks was here, we saw him start a couple of times. You're like, eh, all right. Well, yeah, I yeah. figure. Gee, come on, Jalen. You I can't know. compare him to Jalen. Like, Groom was, was the a... number one prospect in that draft, wasn't he? Yeah. And he, he was, was just like, he fell to us because no one wanted to sign him. Yeah. Slash, like right. he was gonna ask for a shit ton of money. Right. But yeah, because he was being he was being compared to Clayton Kershaw while he was in high school. I mean, it was like such a big deal when he got drafted. All I want to see now is the Padres call him up, and I want to see him start against Kershaw. That's all I want. I mean, by the way, we got to stop with these comparisons, people. Just I'm yes, talking to that, the he's definitely public. not 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 you. I'm saying in specific the pe- the fact people draw out those comparisons. Jason so, Dominguez is the next Mickey Mantle. Like the what are we doing here, guys? Who's the one that just got traded recently, and someone compared him to Willie McCovey? That was a random one where I was like, whoa. What? I, I, I'm trying to think. There's a prospect that got traded. It was just such a random pull. James Wood of the Padres. That's what, that, I love that. I, I saw something too where it's like, is there not a player in the last like 50 years that you could actually compare him to? Or it's like <laughs> <laughs> Willie McCovey of all people. 
I mean, not a bad person to be compared to, let's be frank, but still no, like we're just wild pull of being like, huh, that's obscure. I just think that kind of sets these guys up for failure almost no matter what. Like the fact people were calling Jason Dominguez the next Mickey Mantle, no matter what this, even if he's a nearly a perennial fringe all-star, which I think if you and I'll take that 10 times out of 10 with any prospect in an organization, if he can uh, you know, come up and be a perennial all-star, at least, you know, in the mix, that is a success in my eyes. And now we're like, oh no, this guy's going to win um, MVP after MVP after MVP. That's just not fair to me. But at the end of the day, I personally, you know, Peter, good description of calling the Red Sox soft buyers. Seeing Christian Vasquez go was weird. And, you know, he's the longest tenure Red Sox player has been in the organization since 2008 since he was like 16 or whatever. And then they go out, they trade for Tommy Pham. We're like, what are, what's going on here? And then they trade for Reese McGuire. It's like, there's their other catcher, I guess. And then they land Eric Cosmer. So all around your major league roster is slightly better. Top to bottom, you know, top 25, top 26, whatever, slightly better. And you got a couple of more top 30 prospects for your farm system. So Honestly, top to bottom, your team got better if you're a Red Sox fan, but it's nothing sexy. It's nothing fun. It's just, it's just, this might be the Heim way. This might be what we have to get used to. Just improving on the peripherals, right? And what's your, what's your evaluation, Peter? Because from what I understand, you're a prospect guy, right? So any first, I guess, any, any thoughts on Jay Groom in terms of, uh, I don't know, was he, or as a Yankee fan, you might have a conflict of interest of like, oh, hell yeah, I'm glad he's out of Boston. Uh, no. Like, no. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan, but you know, on my podcast and stuff, like we cover every team. Like I don't let like my fandom get in the way of some of this stuff. Like my own, like my own fandom is the Yankees, but I'm not letting that get in the way of like prospect evaluation. Like for a guy like Jay Groom, you know, had all the potential in the world, of course, coming out of high school. Um, that happens a lot with these, you know, high school lefties that look great. I mean, we could, Name a bunch. I mean, just Brady Aiken is a guy who even went number one in the draft and then didn't end up working out. Like, you know, you could go down the line and find a lot of these guys. And I don't think that you're going to miss Jay Groom. I don't know if Jay Groom ever becomes more than a five starter. Like, you didn't just give up Mackenzie Gore. I mean, Jay Groom was dropping in prospect rankings for a reason. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that you gave up a nobody either. I do kind of see him as a big league starter how good he is is the question. I think his ceiling is much lower, but I think his floor is also a bit higher than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, I peg him as like a five, um, possibly a hot, like at his ceiling, I think he's a high end four. Um, But at his floor, I think he makes a big league roster as like a swing man type, a guy who can eat innings if needed. But yeah, I, the Red Sox, to Ollie's point, got better at the deadline. And I was saying that on our podcast, too. Like, that's why I called them soft buyers, because you can't call them sellers, even though they gave up Christian Vasquez. I identify a team as a buyer if they got better on their major league roster. And that's exactly what the Red Sox did. Yeah. Gain yeah. on the farm, I would say, right? Farm system improved slightly, right? With the, slightly. the guys they got from Vasquez. Probably a yeah. wash the groom, trailer, but Yeah. I don't know much about the prospects they got back, um, but our prospect guys do, and they like the package. So I, I'm more referring to them. Um, they like the package. They said that the Red Sox did pretty well there for Vasquez. And I think that is why you saw them trade Vasquez and they didn't trade JD. They didn't trade Evaldi. 
because they were, it was definitely a seller's market. There's no question about it. So they got a package they like for Vasquez. Reportedly, the asking price for Evaldi was to the moon, quote, quoted from, I think Rob Radford said that. Um, so they were asking for a boatload for Evaldi. I'm sure the same was for JD. They, they were holding out on him, even though he's having an underwhelming power year and really a, hasn't been doing anything the past month. So it's not like he's done anything for you lately, but it it's a weird spot to be in. Um, I still think that they personally, they, you know, Devers is back healthy. Now you hope story is back middle to end of August to gear up for a September push and you make a wild card spot. Anything can happen. I mean, you've got guys that are performed in the playoffs in Ovaldi and even Nick Pavetta, despite his struggles against teams in the division and, um, I'm really excited about what we're seeing from Cutter Crawford. This dude looks awesome since he came back up. Uh, he's, he's been nothing short of steady, consistent, and good. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but I like what I'm seeing from these guys. And yeah, it sucks that I've bought back into the fact the Red Sox are going to be in the wild card race, but I've got no other choice. I got to say, Ollie, I bet um, Heim Bloom like coughed up blood when he saw that contract that Austin Riley got. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's probably thinking to himself. Uh, that's why, I, you know, I think Heim Bloom deserves to be one of the best general managers, at least called that um, for what he's done in Tampa. And then, um, but I mean, the Mookie Betts trade has not worked out. Um, and his short tenure in, in Boston has been, I guess, underwhelming for what I thought it was going to be. I mean, he signed Trevor Story, dude. Like, we'll see how that contract works out. I, I don't know who gave the sale extension. I think it was... Dombrowski. Oh, that was Dombrowski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can't put that on Heim. But, you know, they give Story the money. Then they tell Devers, who... You can make an argument he's a top five left-handed hitter in baseball. You can make an argument he's a top ten hitter overall in baseball. Mm. Um, they're not going to pay him they're going to offer him a Matt Olson contract when you know that's disrespectful he's a better hitter than Matt Olson is as good as Matt Olson is he's better um you could make the argument he's better than Austin Riley and Austin Riley just got 10 years for 215 um I don't really know what the Red Sox are up to and maybe that's a good thing maybe Bloom has a plan that that you know we're all not ready for but it hasn't come into fruition yet at least in my eyes he's playing center field for the New York Yankees right now who is <laughs> that's time's plan no i'm just kidding. yeah <laughs> yeah right well, you know, little think... judge action imagine that would be absolutely nutty <laughs> um, God, i really do not to throw a wrench in everything <laughs> well let's switch over to the yankees then on that on that note so yankees obviously buyers Definitely got better, but I'm still confused about the Jordan Montgomery trade. I know his metrics are bad. I know he's nothing special, but he's been solid this year. And Harrison Bader, is is he just going to be your nine-hole center fielder for the playoffs? Is that the plan for the for that trade? So the good thing about Bader is that he has another year of control after this. Um, and Bader immediately steps in as the best defender on the Yankees, at least in the field outside of Jose Trevino. 
Um, so that's what you got there. And the Yankees could use that too. And also what they're doing is they want to move judge over. They don't want to keep using him in center as though he's played well in center. They want to rest him. They don't want to overuse him in, in center field. They want him to focus on the bat. And he's also a phenomenal right fielder. So you put that over there, your defense gets better putting him in right field. And then you get one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball and Harrison Bader. And yes, they're gearing up for the playoffs because in their mind, I think they think that the division is locked up and they should think that, I mean, the Yankees are the best team in that division and it's not really even really that close at this point. Jordan Montgomery, the more I look into it, because at, at when I thought was going to happen and what I think a lot of people thought was going to happen was that the Yankees were immediately going to go get Pablo Lopez or Carlos Rodon. And that might've been the plan and it ended up falling through because I know I'm pretty sure, at least these are some reports that, the Marlins asked for Glaber in return for Pablo. Ooh. And no. Oh, wow. Um, so that's why I don't think they were able to do that. I think they made that move thinking they were going to do it. But in hindsight, the trade itself, like Jordan Montgomery was not going to throw in the playoffs really for the Yankees. Right. Clear at this point. You know, they got yes. Frankie Montgomery, they got Cole. You know, they have Nestor, who they love, and Severino's supposed to be ready. So that's your four. So they thought that they could upgrade in center field, and they are upgrading in center field. I mean, you look at Harrison Bader's metrics. Like, if we're talking about Jordan Montgomery's metrics not being very good, Bader's metrics are much better than what's on the surface. Um, if we're looking at war totals, like even crazy, crazy advanced stuff with how good he is on the base pass as well, he's a good player. Um, he's, an, he's a league average hitter who's one of the best defensive outfielders at a premium type position. I think both teams actually filled the need here and nobody's saying this, but I actually thought it was a win-win on both sides. The Cardinals needed a starting pitcher like Jordan Montgomery who can eat innings, especially with Flaherty going down while everybody thinks it's like a lose, lose. Like you go to Twitter and both fan base, excuse me, both fan bases hate it. <laughs> Generally that's going to be a good trade because of how important that player is to both teams. So actually I thought it was a win-win and I thought it was actually a good trade for both sides. My immediate fear was like, okay, they're about to go get Carl Chardon now. I that, thought so. That, that's, I that, plan. that would have, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have to think about it, thank God. But if the Yankees <laughs> somehow got Carl Chardon, that that puts them above the Astros to me. And that brings in my worst nightmare of the Yankees winning World Series even, even more into a reality than it already is because it's already – you know, a very possibility, a very strong close. possibility, right? So you go get Carlos Rodon, all of a sudden you have Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, and Frankie Montas in the playoffs. Good, good freaking luck. I mean, as much as we shit on Garrett Cole, and he hasn't looked good lately in his past two starts, especially, uh, we know who Garrett Cole is. And outside of pitching in Fenway Park in the playoffs, He's going to be fine in the playoffs. In my mind, there's a, too big of a sample size there in his career. So that was my fear. Obviously you got Frankie Montas. He's, he's, he's a very good pitcher with another year of control on there. Um, and I think the bullpen acquisitions actually were really, really clutch. Scott Frost has a really impressive arm this year. He's funky, you know, sidearm, tough to read, and he's got plenty of control and there's one more. Oh, Lou Trevino, whatever. He'll be good next year. He's, he's a flyer. Be- He's yeah. not gonna. You guys will fix him in the offseason. He'll be nasty next year. But this year, I wouldn't expect too too much out of Lutrevino. I agree. I think the Yankees, um, and you can call me biased, but I, I really, you know, I, I I'm looking at the whole league. Out of all the contenders, 
I think they were the second best team at the deadline compared to the Padres. Um, if we look at the Astros, they made a couple nice moves. I liked what they did. I thought the Mets kind of underperformed, but the Mets didn't do bad either. I thought the Cardinals slightly underperformed. The Brewers definitely underperformed. Definitely. The Dodgers had a very low-key kind of bad deadline, but I think they were priced out of some things, realizing that they're the best team in baseball, like no need to mortgage that farm. And they love their farm right now. And for good reason, their, their top prospects are phenomenal. Uh, they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Like if we're talking about a juggernaut here, the Dodgers are not only the best team in baseball, but they have a top three farm system in the game with the best player development and maybe the best analytics department on top of it. I mean, they are a juggernaut of all juggernauts. And the Astros, what I think the Yankees did is that they were worse than the Astros going into the deadline. And now it's pick your poison between those two teams. I think it's, we'll see it in game seven, who wins. Like, I think it's going to be that close because I, I, it's something that's not being talked about a lot is that the Astros are getting Lance McCullers Jr. back who, if he's on, could be as big of a deadline get as a Frankie Montas, even better. So the Astros are still going to be extremely dangerous. But with the Mets getting DeGrom back too, I felt like they were okay not making the big moves. You know, um, their GM, Epler, he was – and I've heard a lot of interviews with him too – he was very conscious of trading Pico Armstrong for Javier Baez, and he did not want to do that again. I saw Pico Armstrong in the Futures game. He looks kind of like a Brett Gardner-esque type player. I think he could even be better than him. Um, and you don't want to give up that type of guy for Javier Baez, and I don't think they wanted to give up Mark Vientos for a guy like Wilson Contreras. And maybe it was even more than that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could go on for days about each team. But So I'll throw yeah. No, I, I like that. And in terms of the Yankees, though, real quick, because I, I, my first reaction, to be honest with you, after the Jordan Montgomery trade was kind of like, oh, weird. I can picture both guys on each team. I think it's a fit. Um, but do you think it means it's a Clark Schmidt time for at least to give him an actual run here and see what he's got or or even Luis Gill or uh, Debbie Garcia realistically? I Because you guys have the arms to really give someone a chance to emerge. Debbie is not ready. Luis Heel is a guy who I think will just end up being a bullpen arm because I don't think the command is good enough for him to be a guy you rely on for even five, six innings. Okay. But the stuff is disgusting. I mean, the stuff is unreal. And I, you know, I could be wrong on Luis Heel. He could end up being a starter. And, but I just, you know, watching his starts, the command is all over the place. He just needs more time in the minors too. But I agree with you. I think it's either the Clark Schmidt era I guess whatever you want to call it and um I mean Domingo Herman is just not that guy and like I am the biggest anti-Domingo Herman guy in the world like I wish he was not on the Yankees I do not want him on our team I don't want him in starts like even if he pitches well I still don't enjoy watching him he's one of those guys that is a bad dude and shouldn't be in our game and there's a couple others too shouldn't be in our game and he's one of them and like I am very anti-Domingo Herman whether he pitches well or not I don't really care I love that. We had a win this weekend, though, with Odubel Herrera getting uh, DFA'd, and hopefully he never gets another job again. That was one. He would get openly booed at Phillies games. And I was just (laughs) – exactly. It would just be unreal. Marcelo Zuna should not be in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that one still blows my mind. Absolutely not. How are they still employed? Domingo Hermann. He's making $18 next year. Like, what? What are we doing? I don't understand it. And I've, I've never heard a good explanation for it either. 
because there is one. It's it's indefensible. Um, but so you you rank you go Padres. Obviously, the Padres are the winners. They made the biggest moves. They don't really have much of a farm system anymore, but who cares when you have Juan Soto, Josh Hader, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado. We can keep going forever. And Brandon Drury, dude. And one Brandon Drury. He did moves to the deadline, trading in a Victor Acosta, who's way far away from the big leagues. And they got a Brandon Drury who's hitting seventh in their lineup now, who's been and gives them positional versatility as well. Like he can go play a corner. That was one of the most underrated moves at the deadline, for sure. Absolutely. And um, Padres one, you say Yankees two, Astros three. Is that accurate? I would say of the contenders. In terms of the buyers, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that. I think the Astros did exactly what they needed to do. Yep. They got a better offensive catcher than Maldonado, and they got a guy in – Trey Mancini, who beyond even what he's going to give you on the field, off the field, he adds an element to their clubhouse that is invaluable. I mean, that that doesn't get talked enough a lot. Like we we can look at the stat sheets and say that Trey Mancini hasn't been performing this year. I don't care. Like if he if gives you exactly what he's giving you now, he's going to be a huge boost in that locker room. And for then because Yuli Gurriel isn't really performing well, so he slots in at first base there, just gives them a good power bat can hit lefties. I, I, they were very quiet, but at the same time, they also added Will Smith to their bullpen trading with Rizzi from a position of, they have so many starting pitchers and they're going to get Lance McCullers back. And they add a seasoned veteran guy who's been there, done that. They needed a lefty in their pen with Presley and Stanek. They needed a lefty like that. They add another one. They, they had a very good deadline. It was very quiet. So Astros, I think for sure three. The more I'm talking about it. Yeah. What about the uh, the Mariners with their big splashes? Did they overpay? What are your thoughts on on what they've done, or is it all show? Yeah, I mean it was an overpay. It was an overpay, clearly. But the Mariners have the longest playoff drought in the MLB sports need- history, I think, and not history, but in current professional no, sports, right. they're the longest drought. Scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make money. And now you look at their rotation and you got Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, and Luis Castillo. I mean, it's tough to get a better three than that. And then you can even, they have more arms like Flexen and Marco Gonzalez and George Kirby continues to get better and better. I really like him as an arm. Ollie and I have talked about that on Spaces a bunch. I, I really like this kid. And they still have more prospects. Like they, they didn't go from one of the best farm systems to one of the worst. They went from maybe the best farm system to like the 13th best farm system. Um, so, yeah, it was an overpay, but I'm personally not the biggest Noel V. Marte guy. Um, so I don't think it was as much of an overpay as as people are saying, just because I don't believe in Noel V. Marte as much as a lot of others do. But I still like him as a prospect. I still think he's a big leaguer. I just don't think he's going to be some superstar or anything. Um, so I think I think the Mariners did well, but at the same time, it was an overpay. So I'm not going to say they did better than the Astros. Any kind of comp for Noel V. Marte, just for, for anyone that – and again, I know that's an impossible question, so I apologize, but just, no, just no, to kind of give us a skill set comp. It's a good thought exercise. I, I would say from Noel V. Marte, because there's questions whether he's going to stick it short because he's not been good defensively. Like one of the league leaders in errors in the minor leagues really just – I don't even – I think he might be a third baseman, and that takes down his value a little bit. I think – but I think at the same time, he could be a 20-20 guy, 20 home runs, 20 deals so i like i said i do think he's a good player but robbie grossman was 2020 last year you know guys 
2020, and that's not as cool as it might sound. Um, while it's still very valuable, he's going to be a good base runner. I think if he moves positions, he you know he's he's a really good athlete. But I don't think you're going to see you know a guy hitting 300. I don't think he's 30 home runs. I don't think he's 30 steals. I think he'll be a an above average big leaguer. And when you look at the rest of the package, you got a couple other guys who could be above average big leaguers too. But to get a Luis Castillo who slots in as their ace in my mind is is worth it. And I think Depoto has one of the better heads on his shoulders of the GMs in baseball and knows what he's doing. Speaking of Robbie Grossman, the A's did what the A's do best and they just acquired very quietly Rossi Iglesias, Robbie Grossman. Am I missing anybody? Are you talking about the Braves? Did you yeah. say the A's? Yeah, Braves. Yeah. No, the Braves again had a great headline. They do I mean, the, they do what the Braves do. Alex I thought Robbie Grossman was the most underrated deal at the deadline. Like the most underrated deal at the deadline. They give up nothing. Um, and in their pen, if you look at it, they need a righty, right? They need a righty. They have Minter, they have Matzik, and they had Will Smith, and they had Kenley. You know, you need a righty in there. Who do they get? One of the best righties on the market in a Rossell Iglesias, a guy who is just disgusting when he's on, like kind of like a little bit below Edwin Diaz in my mind. I mean, Edwin Diaz, it's it's kind of comical to compare anyone to him at this point. He's having the best reliever season like that we've seen in a very long time. But Rossell Iglesias, you put him in there with Kenley, with Minter, with Matzik. Um, and Kirby Yates is, I think, supposed to come back soon. Um, I don't know what Luke Jackson is doing right now. I don't like, I just remember him from last year's series. Um, but they have Colin McHugh as well. I mean, the Braves are shaping up to be another one of those teams that is going to be there in the end. And like, I just, I'm obsessed with Alex Anthopoulos. I think he pushes all the right buttons. We talked about it on our podcast too. He's paying Albies, Acuna, Olsen, Albies, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, $515 million um, over all of their contracts, which is an average annual value of about $15.3 million. It's absurd. And those yeah. contracts don't end until they're around 35 years old. I mean, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal work. I mean, unbelievable work. All right. As we wrap up here, we're nearing the end of our time because we're, we're still on the you know free Zoom trial. So uh, give me your, your small state big takes. We implore and encourage big takes. So give me your uh, biggest take here for the second half of the baseball season. Pretty simple. My biggest take... See, I don't have like any groundbreaking takes. Um, Live a little, come on. You know, I I picked the Rays to make the World Series from the beginning of this year, and I guess my big takeaway is I'm not getting off it. Um, oh, okay, wow, that is, that's a big take to me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not jumping off that for the Yankees. I'm not jumping off it for the Astros. I think the Rays just have this weird thing where they might be there at the very end. If they sneak into the playoffs with McClanahan and if Boz gets healthy, their bullpen, the way they platoon and match up, like they're a team that I want to bet on their overwind total. They're, they're just a team that I will never count out. And I think they're going to be there at least close to the end. All right, Peter. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you for coming out. We can, if you haven't followed him on Twitter yet, go follow him at PeterApple23. And don't forget to get your Not Gambling Advice t-shirts. I got mine in. Incredible, incredible shirt. Quality. I mean, incredible you know, quality. Quality. Incredible quality. Thanks again, Peter. Appreciate it. Thank you, Peter. 
Thanks for having me.